Welcome to our wet ass podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sportsball, an educational celebration of useless jock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. This guy was scratching his head. So, the outline for this episode, we'll do the uh, scoreboard stumper as always, get into the tweet of the week. Um, we have four notable jabronis this week, jabronizing four people this week. It's an honor to be jabronized. We're just jabronizing left and right this week. <laughs> and then we will get into our inductee, our third inductee into the Legends of Sportsball Hall of Fame is none other than former Cincinnati Red, Nick Asaski. He suffered from uh, vertigo, so we will have a raging phoner. Yes. Our guest, uh, this week's phoner is my friend Anna Schweitzer, who has some experience with vertigo. Um, Then we'll finish off with confessional thoughts and prayers and send you on your merry little way. Without further ado, Scotty, you want to hit me with the scoreboard stumper? All right, our scoreboard stumper is as follows. There are only two states in the United States that have yet to send a team to the NCAA. At the NCAA level for anything, basketball, football, whatever it may be. And we can't just talk about the Xavier football team, but yeah. I didn't know there were two entire states that weren't included in NCAA sporting events. Yeah. Okay, so I can't wait to hear what the answers are for that. Um, we will we will get to that after our raging phoner, um, as usual. Uh, so what's the tweet of the week, Scott? Our tweet of the week uh, comes from Jamel Hill. Um, she used to be with ESPN. Now she's just independent. Love me some Jamel Hill. She tweeted a picture of a very disheveled Bill Belichick after their loss to the Seahawks on Sunday night. And with the tweet... Bill Belichick looks like he just completed Naked and Afraid. Um, I mean, I know we're used to some pretty awful wardrobe from Bill Belichick, but this is some next level. He looks like a man who goes to bed at 8 o'clock that was forced to stay awake until 1 in the morning or whenever the hell that game ended. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like he herds raccoons. (laughs) Um, Great. So we're on a roll. Let's get into our... Four notable jabronis. Uh, who is the first notable jabroni? Our first not- notable jabroni is uh, a doctor from the Chargers organization, the Los Angeles Chargers, even though, see if they have any fans, even if they don't have COVID. They don't have fans in any of the cities. No. Um, a team doctor who is supposed to be administering a shot for pain in Tyrod Taylor's ribs accidentally punctured his lung. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why he didn't start. Um, Justin Herbert obviously got the start. And almost pulled a fast one on the Kansas City Chiefs there. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, we actually have a clip for that, and we will roll that now. First of all, you you, you hope um, that Tyrod will recover from this in a 100% uh, manner, and you feel bad for him because this guy has had opportunities to play, and he's played well and and took advantage of a lot of those opportunities. The second thing is, man, I've seen a 1,000 shots administered in locker rooms before a game, 
and I have never heard of this happening. So I just don't understand how it gets to this point with a doctor that is is doing these uh, on a on a major basis. Players get painkiller shots every Sunday. Like, it's not just, uh, Tyrod may not, but my point is, every player, every guy that's been in the league has either seen or been a part of, of taking uh, shots to get to kill pain. But to hear that a lung was punctured just blew my mind. I mean, the first thing I thought about was, how? <laughs> like, these dudes are professionals, and people can make mistakes, but you get to a point where you're like, dang, man, it is it is something you have administered over and over again, and you punctured a lung doing it? All right. The next notable jabroni, I will be jabronizing Cincinnati Bengal, Randy Bullock. I'm sure he, he had his big bonehead move last week where he missed a 31-yard field goal that would have tied the game and sent the Bengals game into overtime with the San Diego Chargers. And instead, he limped off the field holding his right leg and then post-game complained about his left leg. He was, in fact, listed in the injury report on Monday despite Taylor... Coach Zach Taylor referring to it as a cramp. I don't see why you'd be in the injury report. I don't see why you'd come back and have a perfect week kicking the next week. They actually signed Austin Siebert, who was cut by the Browns week one, to be the backup kicker just in case. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of my jabronis. Oh, he missed. He missed. Oh, and he may have pulled a hamstring or a muscle, and there is complete elation. Our third subject to be jabbernized today <laughs> is the um, the training staff of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, last week, Dylan Moore, who plays second base for them, was hit in the head by a 99-mile-per-hour pitch against the Giants. Yikes. Um, they didn't... They, they took him out of that bat, but he was in the field the next inning. Didn't sit out any time. No. I mean, what happened to concussion protocol? I guess only... NFL has to follow that. Um, well, interestingly enough, last night in a 6-1 win over the Astros, he was hit in the helmet again. That's unfortunate. Yeah, with a 92-mile-per-hour fastball. Um, he's now hit. Now his season's over. Oh, because the first one didn't do it? No, there's a rule. Two, two times thumped in the head <laughs> with high-speeding bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Who's our fourth and final jabroni this week? All right. The fourth subject of our jabronization is going to go to a lovely fan in a um, in Boston. He scaled the back of the the green monster out left, which is... We're calling him the mass hole. Yeah, the, the, the Boston mass hole. The Boston mass hole scaled the monster to get into the game. <laughs> yeah. He scaled... But from the backside, the monster's 50 feet, so he scaled the back of it and then was shouting into the um, into the game, which is a Yankees and Red Sox game. And, it, of course, you know, Boston will be Boston. Who's that yelling? wonder how he got into the ballpark. 
And that's a perfect segue into our next inductee because he has a history with the Boston Red Sox. Indeed he does. So we will get right into that. Um, so without further ado, we will be inducting Nick Assassin into our Legends of Sports Ball Hall of Fame. Nicholas Andrew Asaski was born February 24th, 1960 in Hialeah, Florida. He spent his formative years in Marietta, Georgia. At the age of 18, he was drafted in the first round of the 1978 Major League Baseball draft by the Cincinnati Reds. He spent five years in the minor leagues before being called up for the second half of the 1983 season to replace none other than Johnny Bench <laughs> at third base. As we know, Bench was not a third baseman per se. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. Uh, over the next five years, uh, Saski would become a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type player, positioning himself every day at third base in 84, left field in 85, both third and left field in 86, and first base in 87 and 88. A uh, fun fact, his uh, backup at first base in 87 was none other than Red Sox future manager Terry Francona. Lots of Red Sox yeah. uh, Easter eggs in this one. Uh, over his five years as a Red, he only hit you know, 250 with 122 home runs and 427 runs batted in. Nice. Yeah, I mean, pretty good pretty good numbers. After the 88 season, Asaski and manager Pete Rose's relationship had dissolved to the point that the Reds traded Asaski and pitcher Rob Murphy to the Red Sox in exchange for um, outfielder first baseman Todd Benzinger and uh, starting pitcher Jeff Sellers. On his problems with Rose, Asaski stated, maybe it was an attitude thing. Maybe it was a personality clash. I'm low-key, and I just try to do my job. Damn, he was saying low-key before low-key was even low-key. Yeah, I'm sure Pete just hated him for no good reason. And wouldn't it suck to be Rob Murphy? Like, apparently you got traded because you don't get along with the manager. What about Rob Murphy? <laughs> anyway, Nick played only one season in Boston after the trade, but he managed to make quite a memorable year out of it. He quickly became a centerpiece of their offense. In the month of August, he put up all-time historical numbers. In 33 games, he tallied 42 hits and drove in 35 runs. Those numbers have yet to be matched by any Red Sox player over a one-month span. He finished with 30 home runs, 108 RBIs, Jeez. a 500 slugging percentage, and 282 total bases. Asaski also led the team in strikeouts. That year, he'd finished fifth in home runs, fourth in slugging, and third in RBIs in the American League, yet he finished 18th in MVP voting. Tough luck. After having a career year and only 29 years old, though, the Red Sox were sadly spurned by Asaski in the offseason. In the w winter leading up to the next season, he signed with the Braves since he was a native of Atlanta suburb Marietta. Hometown hero! <laughs> it was his dream job, really. Uh, he decided to sign a three-year, $5.7 million contract with the Braves, which was substantial Big at the then. time. Yeah. Now it's like, we all make that now. <laughs> I make that off the podcast now. Yeah, I made that door dashing yesterday. So I, on the fact that it was a dream come true, he said it was a decision that was long coming, end quote. Atlanta felt that they had found a focal point of the future of their club. After only nine games in the 1990 season as an Atlanta Brave, Asaski was forced to the disabled list with what was later diagnosed as vertigo, vertigo, labyrinthitis, due to an ear infection, a symptom where a person has a sensation of moving 
or of surrounding objects moving when they are not. Nick would spend the remaining 1990 and 1991 seasons on the disabled list with his ailment. In 1992, he attempted to make a comeback through Atlanta's AAA affiliate in Richmond on a 20-game rehab assignment. The Braves elected to keep him on the team indefinitely while he recovered. After one month in the minors and no promotion in sight, Asaski requested his release, which the Braves granted, thus ending his professional career at only seven short major league seasons. Yes, yeah, seven years. So Nick was then paid $1.35 million of that initial contract, but due to insurance, the Braves were protected from paying him the remainder of his contract for the 91 and 92 seasons. Which paid off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He returned to Boston for the 100th anniversary of the opening of Fenway Park in 2012. And oddly enough, Nick now runs a health and fitness LLC specializing in athletics and is a BEMER bioelectromagnetic energy regulation distributor that center that caters to the public as well as dogs, cats, and horses. You know, you got to keep those uh, got to keep those horses in shape, man. They got those races and stuff. Yeah. I don't know about the dogs and cat stuff as much. <laughs> um, don't really know a lot of horses either, but cheers to you, Nick Asaski. Welcome to the Legends of Sports Ball Hall yeah. of Fame. So next we will get to our uh, raging phoner. We'll call my friend Anna. She will talk to us about her experience with Vertigo. All right. Sorry, I had to get the level straight. How you doing? It's all good. All right. How are you? Pretty good. Um, so, yeah, this is our sports uh, podcast. Today we're talking about Nick Asaski, who's a former Reds player who had his career cut short by labyrinthitis, vertigo. Okay. And so a lot of times with these, we like to just call and talk to somebody um, and ask them about their experiences with the ailment. Yeah, for sure. So, can you tell me when you first started noticing uh, your vertigo? Yeah, so it was a little over a year ago. Um, It was, like, probably back, like, last August. And I was super stressed out. Work was crazy. I was getting married. There was a lot going on. And that's when it first started happening. Um, The first time that I had it was probably the worst time that I've ever had it which is kind of bizarre. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of tapered off since then and has not been as severe, but I definitely still have episodes every every now and again. I think that would be worse if it comes and goes because you just never know when it's going to affect yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like totally random too. <laughs> oh, for sure. Did you feel it at all at your wedding? No, not at my wedding. That's okay. what I was worrying about too, because um, everybody at my work had been talking about it and knew about it, and they were they were asking me if I was worried about flying. And I'm like, no, why would I be worried about flying? And they said, well, if it's your ear, if it's something to do with your ear, then flying, you know, messes with your ears and it can trigger it. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going on my honeymoon. We're going to be doing long flights. Um, so I ended up going to an audiologist and that's when I got like officially diagnosed with the vertigo thing. Wow. Got to quit sticking your fingers in your ears, Anna. 
<laughs> yeah, is that what it's from? I don't know. <laughs> so simple. If it were that, I would have permanent vertigo. I wouldn't even be able to stand up. <laughs> um, cool. Do you have any interesting stories about your experiences with vertigo? Or The m- most recent times that I've had it have been actually just last week. Um, for those that don't know, I'm a teacher, and I mm-hmm. get it. A lot when I'm up at the whiteboard when I'm writing. So I'll be writing something and then I'll turn around and look at my kids and then turn my head back around and start feeling it. And I kind of have to like lean up against the wall so I don't feel oh like I'm going to fall down. That's scary. <laughs> and yeah, and the kids have no idea. So I just have to like hide it and, you know, I don't want to freak them out. I get random illnesses when I'm supposed to work too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just get sick all of a sudden. <laughs> Not feeling so great. All right, so one yeah. last thing is we always ask our phoner uh, if they can guess the scoreboard stumper. So, oh, okay. You want to take a stab at Scotty's scoreboard stumper? Yeah, I'm ready. Awesome. All right. Our scoreboard stumper for our phoner is there are only two states that have yet to put a program into the NCAA, into college athletics. What two states are those? Wow, this is a complete shot in the dark for me. Not a clue. Think about populous states. Um, I, I have no idea. I don't know. Texas and Florida. <laughs> I was thinking populous in the other direction. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, not popular, populous. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, I have no idea. No clue. Oh, okay. Well, the answer is Alaska, because no brainer. Yeah. And, and Maine. Oh, well, that makes a lot more sense than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Don't feel bad. No one has ever, none of the uh, phoner guests have ever got the scoreboard stumper. So. Oh, womp womp. I mean, I've never even known any of them, so... You know, don't feel bad, my friend. Secrets. All right. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem at all. And I'll send you a link to this when it goes up, and I hope to talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. All right, see ya. See ya. Up next, Scotty, of course, is confessional thoughts and prayers. I've got no confessional today. It's been seven days since the last workplace <laughs> accident. <laughs> Or I guess 14, unless I find out I screwed up sometime today. Or <laughs> Just wait till someone calls us out on Twitter or right. something. We'll figure it out. Someone will be there for us. Oh, Anna just texted me and she said, so sorry I fucked up the trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Legends of Sports, Paul, Anna. <laughs> so, Scott, you got any thoughts or prayers for me this week? I do. Thoughts stay with the Cincinnati Reds as we try to sneak on into the playoffs. Let's keep it going. You got, you know, this is the last week of baseball. Let's do it. And my prayers go out to the Laurinaitis family, uh, WWE wrestler, road warrior, animal Joe Laurinaitis passed away today. Oh wow, I didn't yeah. even know that. Um, his son uh, played, I think, pro ball, pro football for a while. He, yeah, he played for oh, Ohio yeah. State. He, yeah, he went to Ohio State and then he played in the pros. Um, I don't want to say too much. Honestly, someone in the um, Larry and I's family could be inducted into the Legend Sports Ball Hall. Oh, family. yeah. I would definitely take happen. the Road Warriors for, for an induction there. Ooh, what a rush. Rush. 
I think we should put. I think we'll put a WWE guy on the Twitter poll this week as a potential inductee next. Yes. So yeah, make sure you're getting on our Twitter and voting for future nominees. You can also find us on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, and more. Thank you for listening to Legends of Sports Ball. May the sports be with you. Always.